The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The Soapbox on the Hard Shoulder. Yes, it is time now for the Soapbox at six, wherein we invite the great and good of Irish society into studio to talk about an issue close to their heart. And joining me on the Soapbox today, Rory Hearn, Associate Professor rather in Social Policy in the Department of Applied Social Studies in Maynooth University. He's the author of GAFs and he is also a nominee for the European uh, uh, elections uh, upcoming on June 7th, uh, standing for the Social Democrats. That news has just broken in the last... Seeking the nomination. Seeking nomination for the uh, uh, Social Democrats. That news has just broken in the last hour or so. So we may talk about that in a moment, Rory. But uh, first and foremost, housing. Uh, It is your contention, is it not, that we need to change the way we view housing. Let's set aside kind of housing policy and housing for all and how many houses should be built where and when the entire view of it needs to change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We really have come to see housing in this country and in particular it was during the Celtic Tiger years as an investment asset. Every All the focus was on property prices. It still is. There's an obsession with house prices, value of your home um, and increasingly during those Celtic Tiger boom years from the late 1990s until the, the crash in 2008, a very significant number of people bought multiple properties. They became the mom and pop landlords. And there was an infection of, a, of an idea, which was housing was just principally something to be bought and sold as an investment asset, a commodity. And that's not always how we saw housing in this country. Um, for most of our history of the modern state, uh, councils provided you know, public housing. People had one home. Uh, houses were affordable. But that all changed in the 1990s, as I said. And, this, and, and it wasn't just in Ireland. That's really important to, to recognise. This happened to countries like the UK as well. Indeed, it was Margaret Thatcher's core idea of her um, you know, free market revolution was the idea that individual home ownership was the key thing and that everyone would aspire to own their own home um, and, and own it. And the idea behind it was really this kind of individualism and also this property owning democracy. And why is it problematic? Well, it's hugely problematic when we look at what happened as a result. Property prices massively inflated during the boom, you know, this huge crash. And since then, we essentially have not changed our attitudes to housing. Our values haven't changed. It is still in policy viewed very much as an economic asset and investment asset. And as a result, we have spent the last 15 years trying to get the property market back working, house prices working as an asset, not as a home. Mm. Um, House prices have increased massively. Rents have increased massively, way beyond wages. And I I contend that one of the failures of of policy and why we are here is because we haven't viewed it through the prism, the lens of housing being much, much more than investment asset. It being the place where fundamental to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, a place where you get shelter, where you rest, but even more than that, a place of belonging, a place where you can be, a place where you can raise children. And we have organised our housing system around the market and housing as investment asset 
rather than housing as home and how are we mm. ensuring people have homes and the biggest example of that being the you know increased role of vulture funds real estate investment assets you know huge purchase of property as asset and evictions the evictions of tenants i still can't get my head around how there isn't more outcry around that we had more evictions from the private rental sector last year than we had evictions at some of the years of the height of the famine and there's a real issue around tenants in particular, renters, generation rent, being viewed as a landlord's income. And the Taoiseach said it himself, you know, this was rather than being seen actually as rights holders themselves, a right to a home. Um, and in many European countries, they do have a right to housing in their constitution, Belgium, Spain, for example, uh, Finland. And tenants have decent rights there. Um, they can't just be evicted even when they're paying the rent and, and doing everything right like they can here. And in particular, I think the issue of homelessness is something that I have been highlighting for many years and, and indeed researching um, the impact of it. And I still can't get my head around how we accept 4,000 children uh, growing up in emergency mm. accommodation. I have done the analysis because the state hasn't, um, that there has been approximately 17,000 children have been in emergency accommodation in this country since 2016. 17,000 children who have been traumatised by home loss, by going into emergency accommodation. And I would argue if we had a right to housing in our constitution, that at least it would give some protection to children who are in emergency accommodation. It would also give greater ability to governments to take action on things like tenants' rights. And, and we saw yeah. that during COVID when there was arguments being made to extend the eviction ban. It was said we couldn't do this because it was unconstitutional. It would interfere with the rights of private property. So I think that a right to housing is essential both for us to see the real true value of housing and also to make key changes. So, uh, uh, yeah, Tell me about those key changes then. Let's make kind of the, the abstract tangible for people. Yeah. What what would a right to housing, how, how would it manifest on a kind of a day-to-day -day basis for people? Yeah, I suppose there is a general argument, a more ethereal argument you could make, say in a way that if we do have a referendum mm. and we have a huge debate, which I hope we will have around, you know, what is a right to housing? What would yeah. that mean? And if that got voted in, which I hope it would do, it would carry a very significant symbolic weight. And judges would say this, you know, the, the Constitution is a living document, as we are seeing. The Constitution reflects priorities. And so it would mean if the majority of Irish people voted for a right to housing, this matters. This has to be taken into account, both in policy, in government. Our national housing policy, Housing for All, does not mention a right to housing once. It does not use it as a frame. And so what would it practically mean? It would mean our policies would have to be looked at in terms of how are they delivering a right to housing? What is that? We would draw from the United Nations, which sets out housing should be affordable. It should be of decent, uh, have decent security of tenure. It should be of decent standard. Mm. It should be culturally appropriate, non-discriminatory um, and habitable, which means, as, as I said, of decent standard. What would it mean in practice? So policy would have to change and take this into account. Um, governments would have to then in the future go, the majority of Irish people have voted for this. We have to take this seriously. Yeah. We have to see how it's realised. And then practically things like that, tenants' rights would be a big area where you could see real change, for example, around removing the no-fault evictions. Currently, landlords can evict um, tenants even where the tenant has been paying the rent. Um, if you had a right to housing in the constitution, policy could clearly be in, uh, brought in 
which would be constitutional where you had a right to housing balancing that right to private property. Uh, be, beyond uh, kind of more robust rights for tenants around um, evictions, I mean, is it necessarily the case that anything would change. You know, the, the years of the, the, the era of judicial activism that we saw in the kind of 1970s and 1980s where the Supreme Court was very eager to kind of recognise different rights in the Constitution, yeah. that's kind of come and gone and they're very, very reluctant to be seen now to be stepping on the on the toes of, of legislators. And and you could see a situation whereby kind of a magic wand is waved right now and, and there's a right to housing enshrined in the Constitution uh, and somebody kind of taking the government uh, to task over housing policy. Um, and the government... I mean, I'm not necessarily kind of defending their policy, but successfully arguing from a kind of constitutional, legal and constitutional point of view. No, listen, we have kind of, we do have more robust rights for tenants than there were kind of two, three, four, five years ago. And we do have a plan to build more houses and we can only kind of live in the world that exists, not the one we want to exist. And there's not enough kind of materials. There's not enough builders. We face all these challenges. We're doing our best. And the Supreme Court standing back and saying, well, there's not much more they can do. Yeah, and that could be the finding of the Supreme Court, absolutely. And um, it is likely that if cases are brought forward or were they to be brought forward, that, um, and we draw on, for example, what happens in education, because we do have the right to primary education, one of the other, uh, one of the few socioeconomic rights we have in the Constitution. And if you look at what has happened recently, for example, around that, there are cases brought forward um, and where the the state will settle before it even goes to court mm. and but what that does is, and we saw recently around um, access to school places for children with additional needs, for example, that that was been brought forward. The constitutional right to primary education was being cited as one of the, I suppose, pressure points on government to make changes around school placements. So that did have an impact. And while it didn't go to court, and this is the important point I'm making, that this isn't just about making a justiciable right. This is about making a justiciable right that can be drawn on in the courts, but actually primarily is one is a political and policy um, catalyst to bring mm. about change in policy. And, and it is a way of, I suppose, resetting. So you are right to say that judges are, are likely um, to be very reluctant, really reluctant to yeah. intervene around this. But on the other hand, then you could say that Currently, we have a situation where I mentioned there are children who are there for two years in emergency accommodation, have no right to housing to claim upon. And of course, the issue is, you know, if you had a child um, who was in homelessness with their family, would they be able to draw on a, on a constitutional right? They're probably not going to have the resources to go to court. But what you could see is, for example, the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission been able to take a case with them and on their behalf and that being another lever to policy change. All right. Well, listen, I... I, I, I it, it's it's such a broad topic we could kind of talk about it all day but, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, um, and, but and just to say, there are many legal scholars and social scholars who've written a lot about it so it's it's not something that's yeah and that, that's, of, it's straightforward either yeah and plenty of people getting in touch as well so we, we, we might continue the conversation I'm sure we will uh, another day but before I let you go I do want to ask about this uh, news that came through in the last hour uh, that you're seeking nomination to stand for the Social Democrats in the European elections why 
do you want to be an MEP? Because uh, as I have you know, been standing on researching, highlighting the issue of housing for a number of years now, um, raising that generation locked out, the EU has a lot of um, impact around housing. There's huge potential for the European Union to be playing a much bigger role in housing and in investment in supporting tenants' rights. And I feel that and I see you know, the Social Democrats really bringing forward that. Um, you know, Holly has brought a huge di- dynamism to her inner leadership and, and they reflect the values that I hold that ultimately we are a society and we should value and put our investment in areas like housing, health, education. And they were ultimately about creating a country and a Europe that's about people's well-being and not just the economy. Why an MEP? Because I think the EU has a really, really central role in areas like housing, in investment, um, in climate. And we need people like myself who have values that are about those key areas of housing, health, education, climate. And I think that there's a real need for voices um, and people who have a track record of standing up for, you know, social rights and human rights. Rory Hearn, uh, hoping to be a nominee uh, to stand, well, he is a nominee for the Social Democrat ticket, uh, hoping to be uh, standing in the upcoming European elections uh, on that ticket. June 7th, they are happening. He is an Associate Professor in Social Policy in the Department of Applied Social Studies in Maynooth University, the author of GAFs as well. Rory, thanks a million uh, for joining us Thank in you so the studio. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.